0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co host, as always, Dave. How's it going today, Dave? All right.
1: I feel like this happens every couple of times. You just completely ignore our guest. I'll ask, how
2: <laughs> is it going today, Justin? It's going pretty good. Uh, you know, had some recent life events filled with some cake. It's, you know, nice. Yeah, what we've, we've all
1: purchased and eaten a cake for ourselves. <laughs> like, Oh no no, no no no. <laughs>
2: no. No. We have to use uh about a pound and a half of confectioner's sugars and make our own wedding cake. Because oh, Rachel Rachel and cake. I got married on Thursday.
1: Hey, congratulations,
2: good. man. Congratulations. Thank you.
1: This is my first time hearing
0: you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that could have been something to bring up, you know, when we're preparing for the podcast, but all right, all right. Wait a way to drop that. <laughs> congratulations uh it's obviously a big life decision do you still think you'll have time for video games yes okay that's good
1: <laughs> for, for any listeners who are not intimately aware of justin and rachel they're both huge nerds like us mm-hmm. so they play games together a lot
2: our first dance was actually a video game um that's
0: true yeah we I had it off on the nerdy foot actually literally the... sorry sorry Dude, it was a, a low hanging fruit joke.
1: Um, <laughs> what was the song? It's not one I recognize from DDR.
2: Uh, it's Vega. Uh, we had always joked about and attempting to do the dance that the background is doing. There's a weird alien bug dude that just has his hands in a V for all of the song and will just thrust them up and down. Um, <laughs> doing that no bar is incredibly tiring. Um, <laughs> I attempted it in the video. It's just not, we're not good at it. <laughs> it sounds very close
0: to like the praise the sun.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah,
0: the- okay. Excellent. Good. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how to pivot off of that. What else you guys want to talk about? <laughs> so this cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What kind of cake was it?
2: Uh, vanilla buttercream. Um, but it was my first time making a layered cake, and Rachel helped during the process, uh, and she was primarily responsible for coloring it Mm -hmm. um and she got some nice pastel colors for our our wedding colors are blue and orange um so the each layer is that and there's also cupcakes that are it it was five hours to make our cake (laughs) on our wedding night that was probably not the best idea but it was definitely a fun experience
0: oh so you made the cake the day of? oh wow yeah that's that's kind of dedication you know I, I talked about how, like, coming off the pandemic, staying, like, uh, being self-isolated with somebody and then getting married at the end of it is, like, the hard sell on marriage, right? It's like, you know you're locked in, and it's it's probably going to work out there. Um, but making your wedding cake also the same day
2: is a heavy commitment. We had other plans, and once we realized how long the cake was going to make, it was that was pretty much what we needed to focus on. That's fair. That's entirely fair.
1: Yeah, that's
0: impressive on all accounts, though. Mm -hmm. And red and orange, not red and orange, blue and orange uh, are the portal colors. Yeah. Which could be an allusion to what we're talking about today. A portal to another world that's not our world, but it's also not portal's world. Frostpunk.
2: Yeah, Justin,
1: I'm gonna let you take it from here. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, yeah. So one's the, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> so the game we are talking about today is Frostpunk. Um, uh, who was the developer again, Jake? It was Eleven uh, Bit Studios, okay. both the developer and publisher. Um, it's a city building, uh, but has a has a story to tell. Um, mm-hmm. It's not you're not just developing a city to handle uh, standard management sim, there's a scenario that led to you being in control of this city and needing to resolve a whole bunch of issues. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: It's kind of like, this is one of those morality games, right? Where it's like, hey, mechanically, we're going to try to like push you in directions to do things you're not comfortable with to explore
2: questions um, you might not have thought about. 100%. And I think it does, it does that very well. It made me make decisions that I am not necessarily comfortable with. It's like Undertale. Well,
1: well hold on. <laughs> 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 I'm listening now. Uh, so, obviously, Justin has like the most experience with this uh, mm-hmm. as he's brought this to us as a guest episode topic. Mm-hmm. I think Jake has spent a good amount of time as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, years ago when it came out. I guess th- three, two, three years ago now. Okay. Um, I completed the first scenario,
1: and then I am a virgin. This is my first time hearing about it, so if you have any questions, uh, we are in the same boat, listener. Mm-hmm. So yes, so far it sounds like SimCity plus ethics.
2: Yeah, um, well, a, a decent amount, amount of, of that
1: more of a storyline than just SimCity, which you said was management.
2: Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Aesthetically, the story is. There's an oncoming climate apocalypse um, that the UK government is essentially trying to find some way of mitigating and saving part of the population. Um, effectively, there is a great global freeze originating from somewhere around the equator. Um, so they try to set up a islands of heat, uh, further north um and evacuate people from uh major british metropolitan areas to these areas and and get them to survive the great freeze um so the w- go ahead yeah i was just gonna
0: say like so this this is these are the cores right like the burner yeah. basically
2: the generators is the term that they use but yeah yeah I, it's a really
0: interesting kind of idea. It's the opposite, I think, of how I usually expect, you know, or like uh, like global freezing to come from, right? You think of it expanding from the poles? It's exactly. Yeah. To be like, oh yeah, the tropicals, that's what really gets us. They betrayed us, stabbed us in the back.
2: <laughs> yeah, since it's the, the British Empire, there's a lot of reference to the colonies and how the crops are already failing in India and stuff like that as you're trying to, to work on these things um
1: is this like time period based
2: so i believe the time period is roughly 1880s um but it is significantly steampunk um so when jake was talking about it being another world it's an alternate timeline um through and through uh basically a direct extension of the industrial revolution never slowed down the original uh steam revolution mm. um and taking that to fruition and needing to produce even more heat to uh to offset this
0: mm. it's always it's it's an interesting setting obviously like uh i'm a fan of steampunk stuff you know i love dishonored all their technology everything like that it's kind of a unique take I think to be like hey we're gonna take this fantastical setting fantasy setting and then inject like ethical questions into it because like I I would contrast it something like uh, this war of mine which was like hey we're gonna take a realistic like hyper modern setting that could literally happen in real life and maybe based off stories in real life and then put you in the situation of people that have lived here it, you, it's kind of like a juxtaposition to me mm-hmm. to be like, hey, here's a fantasy setting. Now you're going to deal with real world issues.
2: Yeah. And I think the uh, the name Frostpunk is definitely setting up some of that aesthetic trapping. Um, when you're when you think of like cyberpunk or steampunk, you have a mental concept and Frostpunk. It definitely leans into the steampunk vibe, but a much more "Hey, it's cold," so everyone <laughs> is there's just basically oil burners sitting outside a lot of places. Uh, everyone's bundled up. It's gritty. It's grimy, um, and that that comes through in their aesthetic too. I think. Yeah, they really.
0: I it's been a while since I played, but I like the. Um, I think like when you're dealing with cold, it. Lends to an isolationist nature for the game because, like, I think most of us can have memories of, you know, really cold winters. It's like maybe you're at a grandparent's house, they have like a uh, what's the name of the thing that burns wood? A stove? A stove. It could be a fireplace. Fireplace Fireplace is what I was going for. Um, And you're like, okay, like, bundle up, stay warm, stay out of the cold that's trying to encroach against you. And this game, when I played it at least, really seemed to emphasize that. Like the, the elements are mm-hmm. really
2: what you're at war with. And all the buildings have different states for when they're too cold for human occupation and stuff like that. And that's represented through the user interface um, to make it easier to read, but also the buildings will get more and more snow built on top of them. The ground will have snow around them. And where you put these islands of heat generation, however you manage to accomplish that, um, will affect the areas too. So it's not directly tile-based. Um, there are 3D models, full rendered, everything, but they there's obvious demarcation points for where it is good for humans to be and where the environment is fully encroached.
1: Yeah. As a side comment, I really do enjoy when, I guess media, in this case games, kind of explore very extreme settings. Like if you remember the movie Waterworld back in the 80s? Oh yeah. I haven't mentioned that in like a couple episodes. but (laughs) It's a common touch point for us. Yeah, it's like If you have something go off like, hey, this thing that we take for granted every day, what if it wasn't easily available? In this case, it's heat. Now, obviously, like we bundle up in winter because how do you stop the overall temperature of stuff dropping significantly? Mm -hmm. You fucking congregate locally and just to deal with that, you can't fix the whole thing. So if you had that happen on like a national geographic scale, Mm -hmm. you'd have to make these small cities yeah, I think it's cool.
0: It okay. is cool. I think it, I think it helps focus in on like the human element too. Like if you want to deal with us versus them, like situations and survivalism, like at its core, and like tribalism and the idea of people congregating together to survive. Um, like, have a limited resource. <laughs> exactly. Have a limited resource. Have an external element that forces people together, um, and ma- make them compete. You know, for survival, um, and. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool novel driving force behind the human interactions, which, to my understanding at least, are really the core of what the game's trying to get
2: across. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. The uh, And we spoke on it a little bit earlier. It makes you make moral choices. Um, so there are, I think, five or six scenarios that play out. The original game had three Uh, the first one basically being your tutorial slash dealing with the, the oncoming storm from a, a pretty okay starting point. Like your, your group that you are responsible for, they call you the captain. Um, you, you find these cities via vehicles called dreadnoughts. They're basically giant tank things powered by steam. Um, but you lose a couple of those trying to make it to uh, the first scenario is a new home and mm-hmm. you are the survivors of London so you are making new London Yeah, it kind of it touches a little bit on like um, it's it's
0: weird because you know it's earth right like this, this takes place on earth but because of that opener it gives you sort of that like Battlestar Galactica like set out into the unknown to establish a place to live sort of feel Um, which I think is really cool when you can take like earth and make it the unknown environment or the dangerous environment. Um,
2: That's a, that's a cool twist. Yeah. And most of the, uh, where the generator, the generator cities are, um, they're kind of nestled in valleys to try to stop some wind shear and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. there's even thought to, okay, how can we have the environment tell us just how harsh it can be outside?
1: Mm-hmm. I did not even consider that as a factor, but as somebody who's walked outside wins a wins it, dick?
0: <laughs> it really yeah. is and the the game, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's been a while since I've played it really like um escalates that by having different external like temperatures. like you could have like storms that like drop the temperature dramatically. Um, coming in from the outside, as well as the progressive, everything's getting colder over time.
2: Primarily, um, it's handled via meteorog- meteorological uh, weather stations. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a tracker that will tell you whether or not it's going to get hotter and colder in the next coming right. days. Um, so I guess we should talk about the how this is more structured from a gameplay standpoint. Right, yeah. <laughs> There's um, a game underneath all yeah. these concepts. <laughs> um, So your goal is to survive until the major frost hits. Um, And typically, so it's over a course of days. Um, The longest scenario that I've seen, I think is roughly a 45 day period. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're working through standard work shifts. Um, So, you're dealing with nighttime. You have to be able to have enough stockpile to keep your heaters running overnight, um, food to feed people overnight. Um, and during the day y- you try to develop that excess resource, um, and get enough, uh, resources to be able to develop new technologies to try and mitigate the oncoming storm. Um,
1: Sorry. real quick. Is this, is it structured gameplay wise, like management? Or like to what level of detail do you have to input to have a worker go collect said resource, whether it's coal or oil as like your heat source
2: generation? Mm -hmm. Um, I described it one time to somebody as a plate spinning game. Um, So there's (laughs) there are multiple types of resources, multiple buildings to work with and for those resources and to try and keep all of them in balance um so the major plates that you're spinning are coal generation which you need to generate heat uh then you have like development resources of steel and wood um but then there's also the human element um (laughs) so yeah Yeah, (laughs) exactly there are after you develop
1: wood first obviously yeah
2: (laughs) um there are multiple social classes and those actually end up playing. in. so you have a worker class and engineer class children. Um, and in one of the other expansions, there's also convicts. Um, and <laughs> it, it, those will affect different things. Um, the two major meters for the social people, like for, for people uh, resource are discontent and hope. Um, so when either of those get to their extremes, they basically give you an ultimatum, and you will either get kicked out or straight killed, Um, and that's that's an end game state. So, so wait for clarification
0: on that. Are you saying if they max out
2: on hope? No, no. no. So <laughs> losing all hope or being too discontent. Um, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Or right. then they'll overthrow points. you. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I,
1: yeah, I was confused that too. I was like, yeah. maybe they have enough hope to free themselves. I don't, I don't
0: know. <laughs> right. They're just like, we don't
2: need an overseer. <laughs> then you get
0: killed. Yeah. They're so hopeful. <laughs> um,
2: and then there's, other, there's some other minor resources for some specific scenarios. Um, but generally speaking, the gameplay is spin enough plates, get enough resources so that you can survive the next day and hopefully be able to develop enough technology so that you survive the final onset. Um, And then the scenarios start playing with some of that.
1: So to harken back to the initial question, how management is it? Like do Um, you have to tell a worker to do a thing and they kind of go off on a routine.
2: Yeah. So you're, you're essentially just assigning uh, where people will work. So they go from free time to work time and they have a place to go during that. And you're trying to, have the correct number of people in certain places, but you're also fighting the cold during that. If they are working in too cold of a location, they have a higher chance of being sick. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a whole medical uh, resource that you have to try and manage also. I remember that. Um, so you're not you're not assigning specifically one person to one specific job, and they don't develop any kind of uh, expertise on their task. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a general: hey, we need X number of people doing this thing, and that right. will affect how much. But individual people will get sick or and or have lower motivation, which means that their efficiency will drop. Um, yeah. So that starts getting into some of the, the laws that you can enact, um, which is a whole other system on top of this. So there is definitely a lot of, it's a systems heavy game. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, I think you could relate this in some way to like, like political simulators or something like that. It's like, um, uh, what was the, uh, Tropico or whatever, you know, where you're like, Oh, let's deal with policy, but also there's some city building, um, some cool concepts like building around uh, you like build around circles right like yes yeah. like layers
2: and then the core is it, like, it radiates out better. yeah just like the heat radiating out so you're it's trying like, to get you're trying to get as many people as close to the core as possible because that's the most efficient place for heat generation yeah. um, everything that you add that or everything that you do that adds heat to the environment uh, consumes coal and Mm -hmm. they start scaling very quickly so you can increase the (laughs) radius of things that generate heat but it doubles or triples the coal consumption rate for doing that Mm -hmm. um so the more condensed you can do you want to try and have a best pack uh you can possibly. And then there's other buildings that have radiate radiate things. So you can build churches or uh They radiate religion. Um... Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. Oh, <yeah. laughs> um Yeah, so there there's buffs that certain buildings will have a cooldown for using, and the more people it affects, the more beneficial using that cooldown is. Right.
1: So is there like a specific build strat that is optimal that you found that kind of like works across scenarios like if you have church some other heat generation like do you have something that you always have like oh this is my go-to layout
2: right so so i didn't have a go-to layout so one of the things i did want to talk about is one of the things i enjoyed was the fact that it encourages getting a build order um yeah so All of the scenarios are very scripted. If you do the same things, the same things will happen at the same time. Um, What this means is that when you play the scenario the first time, you're effectively going in completely blind. Um, But if you fail and fail again, uh, you can know what types of requirements are coming up. Um, so on certain scenarios, you might start with a higher amount of initial coal, and you can kind of just push that off to the back, but you might start with absolutely no food. So you need to immediately get uh, Foragers set up to go hunt uh, food before everyone starves.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, and then eat the corpses, obviously. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, there's a heat mechanic that? with uh, <laughs> with corpses, too. That is nice. That is totally a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Dead bodies are so underutilized in video games, I'll say it. Yeah. It's mainly just the zombie genre that's kind of taken hold of that idea.
0: But Fro- <laughs> Frostpunk uses every part of the human, <laughs> every yeah. part of the. You mentioned, you mentioned build order. So, like, just to get that concept across to our audience who are heavily into StarCraft, this is basically like you got your Protoss build order, you got your Zerg build order. You build order screwed up in Frostpunk, you get you get the Zerg rushed by the heat. They break down your natural wall. It's done, or the cold in this case. It would be funny if you died to like a heat wave or something. Yeah. That's the that's You're the day sixty problem. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> your people are have caught on fire, <laughs> and they're not in the burners. Yeah, so <laughs> not
2: You're not entirely wrong. Um, so one of the other scenarios that came out in I think the last expansion is called the Last Autumn, um, okay. and it's a prequel to the base game. So in this, instead of having hope, they have motivation. And you're effectively the uh, lead foreman supervisor for the corporation building the generators themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of that scenario deals with uh, workers' rights and uh, workplace safety. Um, So there are multiple times where it just explodes. Um, when you get a certain part of the core to a, because you're actually building the core. Right, yeah. You get to a certain percentage done, it's like if you don't pass this safety check, it just explodes and takes 40% (laughs) of your build progress away, and maybe kills 50 people. Um, So, yeah, it Getting ahead of that stuff is is very important. I ended up, uh, I spoke about in our pre-show a little bit. I was up till 4am to try and finally beat that before coming on to this. Uh-huh. Um, it is, and that's playing on, so all of the the scenarios that I played, I played on the default medium difficulty, and uh-huh. I had to restart last autumn four or five times, oh, and my. a failure was like an hour and a half, two hours in um, yeah. a lot of times. So it's, It's not an easy game. Um, If you have a lot of city building chops, you might be able to get through, but some of the things that they throw at you, if you didn't get this one check ahead of time, you are set so far back.
1: Okay, so it's less like you have the option to be like, "Um, this is how I do, this is how I play the game. It's more Mm -hmm. of like Dead of Winter, where you have an overall for a round. We have to achieve this goal. Also here's another thing we're throwing onto the mix. So you kind of have to, like, I assume, manage the individual crises as they come up with the ongoing, I also need to do this.
2: Very much. Um, Yeah, so in the last autumn, because that's a very structured one, Mm -hmm. you have four major goals that you need to accomplish, um, but then you might not have enough people or you didn't build your safety up enough, um, which are just completely different mechanics that end up playing into those primary ones. Uh, So there was a couple of times where uh, I was trying to build a good enough base to then accomplish the goals, but I had to start rushing the construction. So the safety ended up not being there. Uh And so I had an explosion that led to the progress being set back 40%, which means that I then failed the deadline and was kicked out from the corporation and right. it was a, basically a failure at that point plates started falling
0: yeah and your plate an example so how how do you feel about that because I'll, I'll be honest the way that you describe this structure i think um is not the most ideal for the way i go into games mm-hmm. the fact that it doesn't have like this isn't a roguelike game right it doesn't really have random events so much as at these point fixed points in your scenario timeline here's an obstacle that will come up. Were you prepared for it? But it's like the same obstacle, right? Um, unless you deviated from that path yeah. somewhat dramatically. Um, how do you feel about having those kind of like arbitrary um, walls, I guess, that you don't necessarily know you have the tools for beforehand It might need to restart the scenario for?
2: Yeah, so the fact that you're... <sighs> it's it's a it's a knowledge game effectively once you get to that point um and a lot of the social laws that you're making end up having a moral choice so in my original uh new home scenario i refuse to employ child labor right rookie Um, mistake but go ahead um, i'll be honest (laughs) every day (laughs) in the center i'm like hey what'd you do yesterday they're like
1: okay cool yep thanks thanks for stopping by i'll see you guys tomorrow
0: am i am i misremembering or was the choice for that like if you if they worked they couldn't learn so they wouldn't become like educated yeah laborers? So,
2: so some of the yeah. laws have a, a polar choice um and yeah so child labor uh means that they just turn into regular workers um and then the alternative to that is like schooling um mm-hmm child labor you just get additional workers um but hope will typically decrease because the parents of those children are like yo they're not in safe conditions they're just going to get crushed by machinery that's cool um that is what the parents say it's a weird (laughs) pop-up um but then the the schooling requires you to a build a structure um and b there's take an additional law to actually get any benefit from that besides hope and not maiming children. Um, Side things. You're not really worried about those, but you can can eventually, (laughs) you can eventually employ children uh, even with the schooling, but they are specifically to engineering and medical posts as another optional one. Um, So you can get some additional benefit from that. I
0: think like, I think I might have had an outcome when I was back like playing the game where like I had a bunch of unskilled people in the medical facilities, like just hacking off limbs and stuff like that. Like I didn't have like professional overseers and doctors and things like that. They're just like, this guy's got like a a boo-boo on his toe. I was like, take the leg, just just get (laughs) that off. Amputees
2: Uh, are another social class and you either have to care for them uh, deport them or give them prosthetics. Um, so there's mechanics on top of mechanics in this yeah. game. Um, I don't so- think
0: deportation is any sort of happy outcome in this game. No. <laughs> Given that you're at the sole source of heat and everything out is winter
2: wasteland. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like, nah, yeah, get out there. It'll be fine. (laughs) But going back to your question, because there are so many mechanics and adjusting one knob means that your entire resource generation is so different uh, later on. um, Mm -hmm. The lack of scenario based randomness isn't a problem to me because the choices I make have discernible consequences later on. Um, If if I would have decided to focus more engineers in the workshop, I could have had advanced technology here and I could have saved these people. Um, And I think on a previous episode, we talked about uh, sometimes they will, games will tell you what you did. Uh, The Divinity original sin two thing where it had that ending slide. I think this game does that much stronger. um, Mm Yeah. I'm not sure if you remember how that played out, Jake.
0: Uh, I mean, are you talking about just cause and effect? No. So, are, are so at mean, the yeah.
2: end of a scenario, if you, if you do successfully complete a scenario, it gives you a timeline of your adventure and how. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The,
0: the post-game mm-hmm.
2: slideshow of how everything happened. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that was one of my criticisms from that episode. Also, this is a minor thing. This is the first callback a guest has had for a previous episode while the guest was also in attendance. So put that up on the wall. Good job, uh, Dave.
2: We've made it. (laughs) um, But so if you do successfully complete a scenario in Frostpunk, um, it will give you a slideshow of a point shift camera perspective of your base being built so like it takes a snapshot every two hours or something um Mm -hmm. and does that in like still motion while basically reading off like the choices that you made and the consequences that had so like i lost to build the final generator for the new last last autumn expansion uh it's ended up killing 45 workers and 20 engineers Uh um but it's like but the people of Liverpool will survive and like it ends up being a real hopeful thing Uh if you get to the hopeful payoff if you don't then it is just soul crushing uh huh
1: does that add anything for you like how many city management type sims have you played and do you like having moral consequences or kind of
2: those decisions injected into gameplay i think i'm not sure how frequently i would like it but because that is for at least from what i know a novel concept for this game um most other city management games you end up you have scenarios but it's basically like make sure your budgets hit this level or Mm -hmm. make it a tourist uh city so you have eight museums and stuff like that um Mm -hmm having to live with the consequence of uh, trying to appease the workers' rights group so much that they ended up enacting a daily execution to continue raising motivation. Um, And that being the scenario that I was able to successfully (laughs) complete with um, is it, it challenges why you're making these decisions. Why would you not make that decision originally and living with the consequences? So it's, it's a very strong emotion because you are ultimately the one deciding how this plays out. Um, And is killing 65 people. You, you killed 60. I killed 65 people building this generator, but I made a perfect generator for the people of Liverpool <laughs> um, that will hopefully be able to bring 800 people through the frost.
0: Right.
1: Right. so trolley problem. <clears throat> so do you guys play more ethically minded or will you kind of jump for like, ah, eh, fuck them. Uh, this will help me achieve my goal. Or do you like try and stay good but you're fine with some like concessions like child labor or burning amputees for fuel <laughs>
0: <laughs> well specifically the last one's fine i actually i was I was kind of joking a little bit earlier. I believe my first playthrough was mostly moral with choice sacrifices to try to get there to the end, and um that was pretty successful. I don't think I had to really it, admittedly so. Justin's kind of undercut my experience of the game here because I was like, man, whew, got through that scenario, got the game beat, like feeling pretty good, got the experience. And Justin's like, so the first one's the tutorial. I'm like, <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> but I, I think like initially start out good and then um, make hard choices as necessary for me, just because like from a meta perspective. A lot of people who make these games where they have moral choices, they're either trying to push you toward a moral outcome where you've, like, adjusted your brain to be, like, moral decisions are right in the end to, you know, do the right thing. Um, Or they're they're less likely to be, like, be an evil person, right? (laughs) Like, just do everything really evil-like. Because uh, that's kind of also a boring outcome for the game, too. Mm-hmm. If you had to burn kids, you know, to get through winter, then it's not really a choice.
1: Yeah, I feel like they have different games. If you want to play the antagonist, if you want to be the asshole, right. you can just Prototype. play that ga- What Prototype. Overlord. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You can just play those. Um, but I do like the fact that they're kind of like making you actually decide on something and then living with the consequences that's why i've always enjoyed things like telltale because mm-hmm. afterwards it said like hey here's what happened and that's gonna haunt you in future episodes also it shows you like who made which decisions yeah oh 70% of players
2: also ripped that guy's arm off or
0: <laughs>
2: something like that yeah and this game also does some of that so you'll occasionally get uh an individual person, they're not named. Um, they're definitely still like scenario snapshots. Like this will happen at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, and you make decisions based on that. Uh, one of my favorite dialogue boxes that I had to basically, whenever you click a button is what you, as the captain is saying, um, was the only option I had during this dialogue box was fucking owls. (laughs) Um, basically the, the people, uh, saw owls hanging over the generator core as a bad omen. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But there's ones where like an engineer was disgruntled because he was in a tent with workers and he wanted he wanted his own engineer tent so that he wouldn't have to deal with the the the, the Um and how much making certain decisions with that actually play in the scenarios I don't know. Um it seems like there's a chance that by picking the side with the engineer but then siding with all of the workers groups i may have triggered it progressing into where the engineers or traders actually making arson on the construction site Mm -hmm. um but i can't know that unless i go through that scenario multiple times trying that so there there are things that it's like or am I just making that decision based on the resources it's gaining? Whereas mm. it's like, nah, dude, just you, you're working all for one task. Believe that you're working towards the good and deal with your own stuff yourself. Um, and am I actually pushing the scenario in a negative direction because of making those decisions?
1: Well, I guess you, you can't know, like you said, unless you're going back and replaying. But it sounds yeah. like they don't
2: personally characterize
1: like mm-hmm. individuals as much as the people yep yeah, yeah 100% it's-
0: it's mostly, like, factions and things like that. Even yeah. if it's, like, factions you're trying to suppress or deal with within your own people. I think it's that more that than individuals.
2: Yeah, they, they try to do the individual characterization a little bit. Um, in the execution scenario, uh, the final execution I had to deal with was the, the kindly supervisor for the engineering corps. Um, <laughs> he got executed because uh, the workers believe that he may have his negligence led to the initial explosion um, of the first reactor core so he was always targeted but he they characterized him uh, his last words were I'm sorry because he stepped on the toes of the person executing him oh yeah I like that that's kind of like a little gut punch yeah Uh,
0: you just like you know apologize to the for the inconvenience to the executioner right
2: yeah
1: that's a nice I little like that. touch i don't think you need to go into individual things in depth of something like telltale because mm-hmm. it's not a localized like person level game it's a city game mm-hmm. but yeah adding that little bit i think does add a nice little bit of umami to it a little bit yeah. of flavor
2: and the scenarios are set up in a way to force you to make different choices later on um there's a in the base game there's a scenario called the refugees or no sorry the fall of winter home um so in the original uh new home scenario if you explore enough of the frostland you eventually find a failed generator site called winter home which was supposed to be the original london uh evacuation point um the scenario covers the fall of winter home so effectively the previous uh captain so when you start that scenario you are the captain who took over after the other captain had a riot and like half of the people left um but you're now dealing with a city that is half in ruin the generator is broken in some capacity (laughs) you don't know what it is and you still have 580 people to manage um so
0: so so basically with all of the downsides of a massive population but the
2: catastrophe's already started. Yes. So. And that's that's the putting out fires instead of spinning plates basically and the dealing <laughs> with that. I actually this is a
0: very much a side thing. Um but I had to look this up cuz your story sounded really familiar. And according to legend, Marie Antoinette's last words were "Pardon me, sir, I meant not to do it." um because she stepped on the toes of the executioner. Nice. So that's where they got nice. that nice like, cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um <laughs> So, oh, yeah. Marie Antoinette.
1: Jake has attention to feet detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, where um. do you guys fall on the ethical side of things? Sacrifice the few for the good of the many? Or.
0: You have to play this game that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- think th- that... th- Sorry, th- I was just going to say, I-, I think you literally cannot. Like by design, and it would be a poorly designed game, right? If they gave you all of these options to make sacrifices but and then none of to. them were necessary, right? Yeah, you're just yeah, like, you just like, you get to the, the end, like, <laughs> you get to the end, and like the cutscene or whatever at the end where they're telling you everything that happened is just like, and you made no bad decisions. <laughs> like, where they pick out every time you make a concession, you're like, this was
2: unnecessary to send the children off to work. Uh, so one of, one of the reasons why I ended up really liking the game when I first started playing it is when I beat the first scenario, I got an achievement called bad politician. Um, that achievement is for keeping all of your promises to the people. Um, Ah. and so again, it took me multiple playthroughs. Like I have a problem where, you know, um, it's the, the safe smurfing issue with certain games. Like, Oh, I didn't mean to kill that person. Like there yeah. was definitely some of dealing with that personal aspect of playing games. Uh, the first time I played it. Um, but I managed to get through the first scenario without having any significant deaths. I, I can't remember if I did no death run or anything like that, but so, so there matter to you is what you're <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: That's, <laughs> that's the answer to the question. Yeah. Preston's on the line of it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um but if i'm committing to certain things i i would like to do what i morally find correct um which is least harm to the most people um the utilitarian utilitarian global utilitarianism yeah um but not in the way that it's always self-sacrifice either um yeah there, there is a certain amount of give and take to be able to accomplish. I I, I weight negative, uh, negative consequences very high. Um, mm-hmm. So no one should have to deal with harm, pain, if it can be avoided by just slightly lowering somebody else's positive uh, emotion or I can't remember yeah. the, the, the philosophical or ethical term for it, but yeah.
0: And that's why I the think- house is set
1: at seventy fucking degrees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think like the the game definitely. I probably had a similar you know, like kind of utilitarian bent, which was mostly trending towards good, but with the the exception, sort of like the I remain in power, right? Mm-hmm. So if people were like, we're not happy with the government and we think we could do things better, I'll be like, I get where you're coming from, but. <laughs> I'm really concerned with what you guys will do if I allow you to come into power. Mm. So the dictator type of policies, authoritarianism know, one, yeah. Authoritarianism for the good of the people.
2: Oh no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, that's how authoritarianism and,
2: into play. And it will push you to keep going down those paths. Um, I, the, one of my first playthroughs of last autumn, I had sided with the engineers and, um, which basically made social stratification the, yeah, the Burgess. Yeah. Burgess. Burgess. Um, whatever that word is. Bourgeoisie. Bourgeois. Bourgeoisie. That's a good word. Bourgeois. Bourgeois. Um, <laughs> not the French. Beige. I don't do, I don't yeah. do romance languages. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> <you> pronounce <laughs> Uh, but it made me, it basically kept pushing me. Hey, so you have a penal colony. Now you can just, you know, start pushing your normal workers to be convicts. And if they're convicts, they eat less. They don't complain about work safety and stuff like that. Like I'm I, first off, I failed this already. Um, second, I'm not going that path again. I'm, I'm not comfortable doing forced, uh, making people forced convicts. Um, you also can hire convicts for cheaper. Um, and you can basically just deny them medical services uh and it's it sounds familiar this is real life <laughs> uh yeah uh yeah so it's it's definitely a a heavy moral game which compared to stuff like Parkosaurus, where you're a dinosaur park uh manager and stuff like that is a complete other side yeah.
1: Yeah, very much I different you have like a little crocodile balloon yeah you know, like got lost and stuck on something like this seems like a cute game <laughs>
2: Where is um, this? yeah I picked real- up cross Punk at the beginning of 2020 um, either right before or like right when lockdown started happening so it was definitely that like not short and Freud but like uh I need something to bring my mood to be like, how do I resolve the current state of the world by expressing it through video games? And definitely, I think it did actually help a little bit in regards to that too, which is maybe weird. But it was, uh, I know some people that tried hopping in the stream were like, this is entirely too depressing for me right now. Right.
0: So you kind of got some like like sympathy sort of because you were also isolated, Mm -hmm. like these people were a little bit. That's interesting. I could I could understand both sides to that. You know, not wanting to play a depressing game if you're also trapped in your room. You know, yeah. with a little social content. I
2: mean, it's the people that enjoy horror movies, like that kind of same catharsis right. a little bit. I watch horror movies at noon, <laughs> uh, like God intended. <laughs> so, oh, yeah,
0: I... Just kidding. I don't watch horror
1: movies. <laughs> it's it's too fucking spooky, or too depressing. I find the older I get, the less I like affiliating with that type of stuff. Like I've even seen like on Netflix or whatever streaming platform, hey, here's like a little movie teaser, and just like the premise, like it it unsettles me just a little bit to like I wouldn't enjoy this because it would haunt my thoughts way too much. Yeah, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to get out of that space. Whether it's like this is too real, yeah, or mm-hmm. too spooky because it again borders on reality like some of the best horror stuff that I've um, that I'm aware of feels like very close to home shit like what if like your neighbor was a serial killer type thing you're like oh that's my home that's where I'm safe
0: What's not? (laughs) I know my neighbor's not the serial killer because i
2: (laughs) (laughs) the The likelihood of there being two this close together.
0: Right. (laughs) When they say statistically one of your neighbors is (laughs) accelerated, I'm already that one.
1: (laughs) Sometimes we meet in the hallway and kinda high five, we're like, hey, we beat the odds.
0: (laughs) So I Oh, I was just I was just gonna say like, yeah, I I guess I guess I kinda get that. It's um emotionally it's draining i think is what i'm trying to say to play um Frost Punk. if you're already kind of you know isolated and, like a little bit tired you're not really talking to people i didn't get to the end of the scenario and i was like awesome <laughs> like i was like i did it right like mm-hmm. i accomplished this i don't feel good about everything
2: i did along the way and and it Again, that the ending card very much sells that feeling. Um, it will color code them black or white, very, uh, you know, moral good, moral bad. Um, be like, yeah, these people died. You, you live with this. Hmm. Yeah. So who would you recommend this game to? No one. <laughs> <sighs> I, yeah, I mean, that, that's a hard thing. So <laughs> mechanically anyone who plays RTSs, I think would actually get something out of it. Um, And anyone who's looked like we don't get that many RTSs anymore. That's um, like you get your Starcraft, that kind of stuff. It's gone a little bit more niche with this kind of stuff. Um, So anyone who's looking for that kind of mechanical game, uh, I think would enjoy this game. And then, are you going to let it tell its story? Um, Mm -hmm. And are you going to pay attention to how it's trying to teach you something about empathy? Um, I think can be huge for a lot of community, like a lot of game communities in regards to making decisions that aren't necessarily always the best. You can't optimize for a catastrophe basically.
0: That's a really deep and like personal and probably more correct take But my answer is no one. And and the reason is I don't have like specifically anyone that I would recommend like uh, Orwell to. Orwell's like another game where it's like, hey, we're going to teach you lessons about what it's like to be human and how you can misuse other people and how privacy is important and human rights are important. And abusing all of that leads to this dark, dark path. Like they both want you to think about those questions. Right. Orwell's kind of specifically pushing you there um and this one's like you can make decisions but at the end even if you succeed you they ask the questions of you and that was the important part they got you thinking about it but i don't know who to recommend that to like right like you're like oh do you like rts games do you like feeling things also <laughs> like a lot when you play rts games um that aren't just frustration because you know you got uh, six pooled Out the gate, you know, (laughs) I specifically stopped cannon rushing because I'm afraid to lose that uh, that probe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That probe has value to me. It's an individual. (laughs) So, like, I guess if you like games for the ask philosophical questions of you, I would put Frostpunk up on that list. And it's also much more gamey, I think, than a lot of games that want to ask questions of you.
2: It's very much uh, play, don't just show. Um, because it is, you are the one making those decisions. So I can definitely see if you are a aspiring game critic or something, this is a game that's, that falls into that, like (laughs) academic, uh, purview, I
0: guess. I agree a hundred percent, but I just want to point out how weird it is to recommend a game to game critics. <laughs> You're like, if you critique games on YouTube, <laughs> this will be right up your alley. Yeah. Uh, but it's true, actually.
2: Yeah. Um, Would yeah. you consider it in like the same category as uh, was it Academy Award bait type things? Like it's it's specifically yeah. for that kind of audience. Like, but for games,
1: this game makes you think.
2: It's yeah, like your right.
1: Choices.
0: Really, yeah. It really makes you feel like a human. <laughs> Nine out of ten. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think it kind of is, though. Like, any game, I don't know. We've had so many games that, like, have an emotional focus or ask you questions about mental health or something like that. Um, it's no longer, like, super, super niche. It's still niche. Um, but they're all over the place on Steam, right? Um, and they're usually pretty good. Like, they get reviewed really well. It is interesting to think about it as man- emotional manipulation on a purposeful sense. You're like, this is meant to manipulate you emotionally. It's meant to make you feel bad about decisions.
2: Um, but also, how many of those are? would you classify more as like a visual novel, too? Um, where we talk about this has game mechanics, it's taking an existing genre. Whereas I think a lot of the stuff like Gone Home, like the walking simulator type stuff, where they're, they're, they're less less gamey like they're using the medium to tell the story and i think they're doing that in a very well good way um but you wouldn't be able to have like an optimization discussion about them right yeah it's a it's a version yeah did
1: you hold forward or right oh you beat the (laughs) game that's cool yeah those types of games like the one i'm thinking of right now is gris where Mm. it's it has some very simple platforming and puzzle mechanics. Very fucking simple. And mm. it doesn't have any dialogue or anything. Everything's done visually. And you kind of get the the gist. Art game, of it. I think. Would be yeah, easy. it's more of an art yeah. game. But you get it. But I think, from what I'm hearing, Frostpunk more so stands alone on its own if it was just a mechanics city building disaster yeah. sim. 100%, then, yeah. And I think it's better if you have a game that stands on its own in whatever genre, but then also can, like, sneak in other stuff. Right. So be a better human. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you can put that in without saying, be a better human, uh, it works better. It's like you were saying, like, it's better to do the action. or or...
2: It's the, the movie thing of show, don't tell, um but yeah, it's translated for help. another like an interactive medium the the do don't show
1: yeah it's like if you want to teach kids about the simple ethics of like sharing it's like your kids you like you have snacks
2: and playtime whatever the fuck yeah i don't recommend Frostpunk to anyone I haven't under like 12 <laughs>
1: <laughs> i meant more of like i mean obviously you can say like share your toys timmy but don't commit genocide It's. I feel like you innately will internalize something more so if you see the action and then you see the consequence play out. Mm -hmm. Like If you have a role model who is a generally good person and you see how they lead their life and then the consequences of that versus you see the opposite you go, okay, nobody told me this guy's good, this guy's bad and this is Mm -hmm. how you should be, this is how you shouldn't be but you pick
0: that up Right, yeah, games are, are the medium where you can show let people make decisions, which is important for like personal growth, but then also show the consequence of that decision. So it's like maybe you know you do box your neighbor's car in, and you don't see that like they couldn't make it to the hospital later when there was an emergency or something like that, right. Like the butterfly sort of effect. People don't really think about the consequences of what they do unless they're explicitly shown that and games allow you to do that um and you can
2: only experience that vicariously in like a movie right so um, and there's i mean that talks about a little bit of the uh, that shock experiment i came up with the the official term for it where they had when you press this button somebody classical. is shocked yeah yeah oh yeah. classico
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it it is like that right um I can't remember exactly where we started on this this thread, but I think it was like, is Frostpunk more than just like an art game slash emotional, emotional manipulation game or something trying to teach you about philosophy? And I think it is. I think it is. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of replay value. Personally, like I didn't play it nearly as much because it did kind of exhaust me
2: when I was done with that first scenario. I was like, ugh. Yeah, I think between my play sessions, it usually was a week or two of... I, I always wanted to be able to finish the scenario. There were a couple times where I just straight up had to put it down because it the game is also difficult. Um, yeah. So... Th- not being able to have the catharsis of at least finishing the scenario to offset some of the emotional weight of it made some of the the times between play sessions much longer yeah it's like budget light
0: ptsd (laughs) (laughs) that's what playing this game it's hard it's hard then that's one of the reasons i think it's a little hard to recommend for me it's like do you want going back to portal for a second which is my core comparison for this game the end of portal everybody's partying there's happy music playing you know you've got like in the co-op one especially right it's just like we've done it we've
2: solved science or whatever um this game is very much not that uh and one of the scenarios does actually end on hope um the the arc is you are a set of engineers trying to preserve the seed vaults um in the arctic so you need to make sure that you have enough resources for that. And that, that's a very hopeful scenario. Um, you are dealing with potential refugees showing up and being like, yo, we don't care about these plants. We want to survive. And the engineers are like, hey, we signed up for this for one specific thing. And if you do not accomplish that, uh, you're a terrible person. And all of humanity is effectively done. <laughs> Yeah. So y- hopeful, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hope, you know. <laughs> let those people die.
1: Don't <laughs> get yeah, too but... much hope;
0: otherwise, <laughs> they will overthrow you. And it is bourgeoisie. So.
1: It's bourgeoisie.
0: Yeah, bourgeoisie.
1: I thought it was bourgeoisie because if you say something is bougie.
0: Hmm. No, that I, I don't think that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I googled it, and Google told me the truth. Since Google's always right um so yeah do you guys do you guys recommend this game would it be a thumbs up thumbs down if you listen to this whole
2: episode and it was at least intriguing to you yes i, I don't think there's any reason necessarily not to play it besides <laughs> all of the points that we talked about earlier Yeah, we did talk about a lot of points
0: how it's emotionally draining and stuff. how much anxiety do you have um that's actually probably a fair question before going in on it <laughs> And can you deal with that anxiety <laughs> in healthy ways? Yeah, I think I recommend it. I think I think it's really good for what it is, um, and the the gameplay. Um,
2: I got I got my awesome. hours out of it. Uh, that's a terrible metric for games, but it's also it it has the content there.
0: Yeah, uh, I think seventy hours of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. So. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, since I know that you haven't played the game, Dave, would you play it?
1: It's something that and it's I, okay I to say category of, I would check it out on the cheap, maybe, or if I got mm-hmm. it as like a gift. <clears throat> Sorry. <I> right <laughs> there. Um, but I don't think I would at this point go out of my way to check it out. at like yeah. standard price. Because it does sound interesting, but typically I don't lean towards those types of games as much. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'd want to watch somebody play it more so than play it myself. Gotcha. Right. And
0: then judge them for their decisions. Right. Sorry, Justin. You're gonna need to stream this.
2: Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll judge
0: you for your decision. <laughs> make a uh,
2: make a spoiler channel so that uh, mm-hmm. you have to you have to accept the emotional turmoil that you are about to encounter. Disclaimer on it. You can't do that on Discord, unfortunately,
0: because if you have... I guess, spoiler, you can. But if you have an NSFW channel, Mm -hmm. apparently, because I tried to make politics NSFW, you can't get there unless you have a verified account, which apparently not everyone does.
2: Yeah, you need to put your social security number up to Discord, right? Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Anyways, if you guys want to send in your social security numbers, (laughs) um, just punch in those digits on the credit card and the the three on the back, um, and send them to John Wick no uh the uh i don't know if you guys have seen those videos online but anyways i digress we have contact uh forms and ways to do that one of those is the gmail soapstone podcast at gmail.com uh, the other is facebook for the time being um, until that goes away at facebook.com soapstonepodcast podcast yeah i don't know it's a game is emotionally heavy episode <laughs> it is it is man talked about some deep stuff to the generator with you um as always we'll see you in the next one have a good night thanks for having me